The following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. For advertising information or to find more great podcasts, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com and follow us on Twitter at RealTheUnderdog. Okay. Well, just for the record, we got a son in Phoenix, too. 52 to... <laughs> everybody and welcome to the Sunny in Phoenix podcast, a weekly podcast where we keep you up to date on everything Phoenix Suns basketball. My name is Charlie Erling and as always, I'm joined by Mitch Krumpetich. My wife told me to say something different here because it sounds like I've just been copying and pasting my hello from one time into all of the new episodes. So this is something different. And uh, isn't that kind of ripped from the No Dunks podcast? Uh, Is that a... uh, who's the last? Know. Who's the Could last guy they introduce? Uh, Tass. Well, they do Tass, and then Trey Kirby with the AO, and then Lee Alice says friends. And then who's JD. the guy that make? Yeah, JD. Yeah, I guess JD kind of does that. I think you kind of ripped it from him. Maybe it wasn't on purpose. Maybe subconsciously. But... Yeah, you're just that kind of guy. You get maybe yeah. you two are similar fellows. I, I'm cool with that. He's All a right. good guy. <laughs> okay, well, this week on the show, we'll be talking about how the Suns have been faring without Devin Booker due to his hamstring injury, and then we'll go over this week's games and preview next week's game. Follow us on Twitter, at Pod. Same thing for Instagram. Go on iTunes, leave us a five-star review and a comment, and you will get a shout-out on the show. All right, the Suns without Devin Booker or Dario Cam, Javon Carter for a few of these games, or Damian Jones. We've been faring all right. We're 2-2 two and two over this stretch. One of the losses was in double overtime to the Nuggets. We talked about that game last week. And then a five-point loss to the Oklahoma City Thunder. So all in all, seems like the guys are hanging in there pretty well without our star, Devin Booker. Yeah, it's unfortunate to watch the team play without book but we're figuring it out and this is just part of the game injuries are going to happen every year it's pretty tough to play every game in the nba because you're going to get nicked up or especially with covid might have to enter health and safety protocols so we kind of expected things like this to happen and we're doing okay Absolutely. And doing okay is just right. And especially when you compare that to what would have happened last year had we missed Devin Booker. And we did have a few games without him last year, and it wasn't pretty. I mean, look at the on-off ratings last season. If Devin Booker wasn't on the floor, we struggled. We got spanked pretty frequently if he was not playing. So all in all, we're holding up pretty well. We had a 21-point win over the Warriors and a six-point win over the Mavericks during this stretch, too. So there's been guys, you know, all all the way across the lineup who have been stepping up to, uh, you know, make up for what we're missing. Yeah, and just to throw out some names, DeAndre Ayton, Chris Paul, Jay Crowder, even, well, you know, Mikhail Bridges has struggled a little bit scoring, but he's still stepped up, filling that role defensively. Not that Booker has a huge role defensively, but stepping into that shooting guard position per se, uh, just adding something different to that spot. So, yeah, guys have stepped up where they've needed to. Right. And, you know, we talk about this pretty frequently, but Mikhail getting into the lane and pulling up for those jumpers once he gets into the paint, it's a thing of beauty. That wingspan just kind of puts him above everybody else. Obviously, he gets some nice uh, height on his jump shot as well. But that's a tough shot to block, and he has really nice touch in there. And that's something that we need to kind of lean on. We need to get into the paint, you know, especially without Booker on the floor. I'd say that's somewhere where we've struggled. But recently, we've been getting to the line. We've been really trying to pack it in. And, I mean, that's what we need to do without Devin. So DeAndre Ayton, let's talk about him first. You know, he had one poor game here in this stretch, but averaging 13 points per game, almost 14 and a half rebounds. 
So he's doing his work on the glass. He's cleaning it up. Offensive end, he's grabbing plenty of those too. So we, we've seen uh, ever since that one stretch a few weeks ago with Aiton where he had just a week of poor games. We're past that, it seems like. It seems like he's really more focused and we're going to see you know, more of this. We, we can excuse one once in a while, but if you get two or three good games per week out of the guy, it's going to be a whole new team. Yeah, it's great. I think he really stepped up. I know against the Warriors, uh, James Wiseman was coming off of a great game against the Timberwolves in their previous game to playing us. And some people were saying, oh, Wiseman is going to be a real challenge for Aiton. And Aiton outplayed him easily. So that was really nice to see. And then against the Mavs, Aiton was a difference maker for sure. So it's it's nice that he has stepped up. I did hear that it, we know about this criticism he's taken and that Booker and Chris Paul and Monty have just been on him and being pretty tough on him. And he said he actually likes that because he's getting better. He's really listening to what they have to say, and he's getting a lot better. And the numbers are showing for it, and he looks more confident. He's dunking a lot more, finishing alley-oops. He's more in the right spot at the right time. He's playing good defense. He looks good. I love watching him dunk now. We rarely saw it, but he's so powerful down there when he gets, you know, when he gets his little sliver that he needs to get up there and dunk. It, it's so fun to watch. And a cool thing, he was quoted saying that he's been watching a lot of uh, the Lob City Clippers from you know Chris Paul, DeAndre Jordan, Blake Griffin. He's been studying that tape, trying to find the angles that those guys were taking to receive the lobs. And that gets me really excited. Because, I mean, if you're a big man, DeAndre Ayton's size, with your, that athleticism, that has to be the easiest way to score, right? find a lane to the hoop, jump up and drop it in the rim. I mean, set a screen roll, easy two points. You you have to want that. And we, I just, I want to see like four or five of those a game. Yeah, I do too. He's grabbed a couple pretty impressive ones. These long, long lobs that go up pretty high. Uh, it's nice to see him just grab those right out of the air. And Chris Paul just kind of throws it up where... Either Aiton's going to grab it or it's going to go out of bounds. And Aiton has grabbed most of them, so that's been nice. The other thing I have really noticed about Aiton, and I noticed this especially in this last Mavs game, is he has not taken very many mid-range jumpers. He's not settling as much. I think a big part of that is just like a muscle memory thing. He's kind of had to train himself because it was such, such a reflex. There was one point in the Mavs game where he catches the ball right about at the free throw line. And he kind of went up like he was going to shoot it. And in my mind, I was like, he's just going to shoot it. Of course he's going to shoot it. But he didn't. He passed the ball out beyond the three-point line to the corner. And then he went down to the low block and posted up. And he got the ball right back and turned around and hit a hook shot. Like, that is exactly what it's supposed to look like. And he's finally getting it. And it was just, like, so exciting to see. Oh, it's beautiful. And he's doing such a good de- good job sealing off the position, it seems like. He's mm-hmm. he, he's understanding it now. If he catches it underneath the rim, it's an easy two points. If he can find a lane for a nice alley-oop and you hit that hard, that's an easier two points. And if you play basketball, you like scoring buckets, man. That's That's the, I don't know, that's the number one thing most people think about when you play basketball. Yeah, some guys say defense first. I play defense. That means you're not that good at offense. That's, that's right. <laughs> that's exactly right. Yeah. So, I mean, it's it's just so nice to be seeing all of this. And talking about difficult alley-oops, to end this Mavericks game, to you know almost seal it up right before the Crowder three-pointer, Chris Paul threw in a hot one uh, alley-oop, and Aiden skied up. It looked like he was almost behind the backboard. It, not quite, but the angle made it yeah. look like that. But yeah. I didn't think he was catching it, but he got up and he put it down. And That was nice. Love watching us just, you know, beat the Mavericks anytime we can, and we oh, do a pretty good job of it. Yeah, uh, it's been great. And then, I mean, Chris Paul, too. Man, his passing has been awesome. His leadership has been great. 
I mean, I I know I am critical of his style of play sometimes, and I think it's just a bias that I have. It's just not the style that I really like watching for the most part, but it's working. So I'm not complaining. You know, do I miss the pace, the fast-paced Rubio-led offense? Yeah, sometimes. But would I rather win games? Of course. I don't care if we're running the clock down to two seconds every time, every shot clock. As long as we win, that's what matters. So Chris Paul has just been unreal in these last few games. Right, and we've needed him to be unreal to win these games that we've been in. He's been averaging almost 24 points per game and eight and a half assists per. And that's close to what he's been averaging on the season when it comes to assists. But it's been very obvious. Chris Paul is putting this on his shoulders to step up while Devin Booker's out to get these, to make up the points. I mean, that's, that's what needs to happen. We need someone to get buckets and he's the one who, who can, he can make his own shot. I mean, I've never seen a guy, so frequently, consistently, successfully juke a guy after he gets a switch and put up a mid-range shot over a seven-footer and right. just net. It seems like it's just every net time. every time. Every time. It's it's really yeah. impressive. And, I mean, out of all of his skills, I mean, that's one that's earned him some money in his day is just that, you know, you get the switch, you juke him, you finish the jumper, and that's it. That's right. And he did that exact thing you've just described to Dwight Powell. And Powell was laughing. Like, what am I supposed to do? Right. (laughs) It was hilarious. No, it's like Chris Paul turns on a gear. It it turns into a new gear and he's juking faster than the defender can even like pick it up. I don't know. It's really impressive watching him at his age just still be able to cook guys like that. Yeah. And I mean... And, you know, doing that over Willie Cully Stein last night, he's a good athlete for a near seven-footer or however tall he is. Mm-hmm. I mean, he can get it over everybody. It's it's so impressive, and that's why uh, that's why we've won these games. A big part, Chris Paul. Oh, yeah. Well, and then also, you always describe him as the X factor for this team, but Jay Crowder, he is playing pretty well, and I think – just the three-point shooting definitely stands out. That's an improvement over over what things were like with our team last year. I know that Bridges is shooting pretty well. Cam Johnson has cooled off a bit. But Jay Crowder is just a, a very consistent player. And it's been a nice kind of anchor for our team. And especially that dagger that he hit, like you said, at, toward the end of the Mavericks game. But a big part of the the Mavericks game altogether is Crowder hit three threes very early on, almost all consecutively very early in the game. And that kind of set the tone and he, you know, he makes a big difference on this team. He really does. And he's been putting up solid rebound numbers lately too, six and a half per game. I think I may have made a comment about that a week or two ago about how he's been a little, little light on the glass, but six and a half per game for, him that's very solid and I mean I'm just really happy with what he's been bringing to the table and he's been feeling it lately you can see it when they uh after he's made a three he kind of squints his eyes and he goes (laughs) you know what I'm talking about yeah he's feeling himself I wish I could show the listeners but this is a podcast not a video so an audio medium audio an audio vehicle But anyways, Jay Crowder, the X Factor, I've been saying it, and I think that's the case. 17 points per game in these four, and, you know, he gets put back into the starting lineup after losing his spot to Cam, who has been struggling a little bit lately, by the way. So, yeah, it's it's interesting. This, this whole lineup, we're going to have to see what happens once Booker gets back, because Crowder's been playing better than Johnson now, and... You know, the the guard rotation, the the bench guard rotation. Campaign's been hurt. Javon Carter hasn't been playing. I think those are coach DNPs right there. Mm -hmm. Coach's decision. Um, And then we got Moore, Galloway, and Nader, who are all, you know, playing minutes all of a sudden and, you know, doing some things really well. So Mm -hmm. there's always something to look forward to when you have a bench this deep. There's always someone who can, you know, step up and impress you. And guys like Nader and 
Galloway and even more in this last game. Really impressive stuff. Yeah, just their veteran experience, their shooting. Those guys can all play good defense. I mean, this game against the Mavs, the Mavs had many chances to make a comeback uh, or hit a couple shots and stay in the game and, you know, have us not pull away, maybe try to force overtime. But the difference was these guys playing defense. Langston Galloway, Etwan Moore, Abdul Nader. It's really hard not to say Ralph, <laughs> but <laughs> I didn't. Uh, Jay Crowder, Mikhail Bridges, Chris Paul, Cam Johnson even. They're all playing such good defense, and the Mavs kept trying to get guys to switch. DeAndre Ayton got to throw that in there. Trying to get guys switched onto Luka, and it didn't matter. The only guy who couldn't guard Luka was Frank Kaminsky, which is understandable. And Frank played eight minutes in that game, so whatever. Coming off a near triple-double night against the Warriors. That's right. We we have to add. Yeah, you know, give him a break. (laughs) (laughs) But still, any guy that switched on to Luka for the most part was able to give him some trouble. So it, it was really awesome to watch that defensive teamwork. And this is coming from someone who is not very fond of defense. So it was great. You know, I something I do as a petty Homer fan after we, you know, I'll do this after we lose too, but I'll go to the opposing team subreddit just to see what the fans are saying about the game. Mm-hmm. And I found this Maverick, the post, a post on the Maverick subreddit where the guy was previewing the game for the Mavs versus Suns. And he said something like, the Suns have one of the scariest perimeter wing defenses starting units in the NBA with Jay Crowder, Mikhail Bridges, and Cam Johnson. I have never thought of thought yeah. of it like that. Like those are guys you can stick on anybody who's not seven feet tall. Yeah. And you can expect some solid defense played. Right. Yeah, that's a great point. And I think we do need to point out that Porzingis was out. Seth Curry was out. Porzingis is going to make a big difference on that Mavericks team. And could we have contained him? Yeah, I think so. We've done it in the past, but it would have been tougher. He does make a big difference for them. Yeah. And they, you know, they still can put out Powell, Willie Cully Stein. And if you put two of those guys together and those guys are all solid athletes. So if we have to throw out two guys, then, you know, we got, Cam or Jay guarding one of those guys, which I don't love, but right, you know, I, I still think, you know, we make them pay on the other end too with that. So that's true. That's true. Yeah. All right. Let's uh, talk a little bit more about last week's games before we preview this week's games. Uh, and the first one of last week was the Suns versus the thunder. This one was a tough loss. One Oh two 97. And in this game, is this the one where DeAndre Ayton really struggled? Yeah, this was yes. uh, Ayton versus Horford. And Al Horford played a heck of a game and really just, he, he gave it to DeAndre on both sides of the floor. And I think that was a big part of the difference here. Yeah, it was the whole difference, I think, because Ayton only had five points on two for seven shooting. He did have 14 rebounds. He got to the line one time. Or, well, he shot two free throws. I guess it could have been two and ones. Uh, Yeah, it could have, technically. But uh, he was plus seven. I think that's what kind of stands out to me, is despite playing a pretty bad game, he was still plus seven, so making a somewhat positive impact. But, you know, if he hits two or three more of those shots, like he has been, then this game is completely different. Yep, that's a very good point. And I wasn't expecting this. I, I was, you know, we were kind of on a roll with Aiton. He was really looking impressive, aggressive. And then this is just one of those duds that seems to happen. And I don't know if this is something to, you know, something that we should actually worry about rather than saying that he's terrible like some people like to do. But <laughs> maybe... Yeah, maybe there is going to be a game a week where he just lays an egg. Is that something we maybe should just look out for? I don't know about a game a week, but I think we do know that 
Aiden's going to struggle against certain types of guys that guard him. Al Horford's a good example of that. Or we know he doesn't play very well against Steven Adams. The guys who are really physical, he does tend to struggle with. He's getting better, but it's still going to take some work. So I'm not super surprised about this. And it's not all on Aiton either because Bridges was three for 13 shooting. That's pretty poor as well. Cam Johnson was three for eight. Jay Crowder, five for 16. All these guys shot a lot worse than they normally do, except for Chris Paul. Yeah, that that just wasn't a great night. That was 38% from the floor, 35% from three. So only shot 3% better from the floor than three. That's right. That's bad. That's not going to win you a ton of games unless you make 25 threes, you know, then maybe that's something different, but right. And yeah, Chris Paul was the only one to get going in this one against his old team, 32 points, five assists, five rebounds. And you know, Mikhail, this was a tough one for Mikhail in general because, uh, and props to Gilgis Alexander, who's a terrific player, but he's great. He, he, uh, Mikhail didn't seem to bother him a ton. Yeah. He, I mean, he was six for 18 from the floor, but 21 points. That's, I mean, that's going to be some damage. Yeah. I get I, six for 18. I mean, if Mikhail's going to hold someone to six for 18, that's fine, but he's yeah. a solid player. So that he'll he be, uh, that'll be a tough matchup for years to come. He's, he's just a, He's just a kid too. He's younger than the majority yeah. of our core, so that's a yeah. I like him a lot. He's yeah. good. He's fun to watch, and he's he's one of those wiry guys who isn't weak. You know, when you see a guy like that, you think he's just gonna get blown in the wind and just float off the court. But he, you know, right. he can he can hold his own for sure. Yeah, yeah, he's tough. All right, next game against the Warriors was. You know, this was a much-needed win. We we were due for a win. A lot of us thought this one would come in the Thunder game, but save it for the next one. Big 21-point win over the Warriors, 114-93, to and this was our bet question last week. Yes, it was. The question was, how many threes will Kelly Oubre hit? So between you and I, you said zero. I said one because what else am I going to say? And you were right. He didn't hit any. Kelly had a really poor game. And he was trying to, for lack of a better term, sauce it up. And it didn't go very well. (laughs) No, he missed a dunk, too. And Mm -hmm. when you're missing dunks, you know, you could tell very early on that this wasn't Kelly's night. And to be honest, if he would have came out, hit a couple shots right away, I would have been a little worried about it. Yeah. You know, the redemption game, that's that's a real thing. But he really laid an egg, and yeah, it was really enjoyable to watch. It, yeah, I know it. Shout out to Sundress Dunks, at Sundress Dunks on Twitter, who correctly guessed zero three-pointers for Kelly as well. Uh, he actually got this right twice because we tried to do this question <laughs> in that first Warriors game, but then it didn't happen because of COVID. So, uh Technically got it right twice, I suppose. So yep. shout out to you, Sundress Dunks. Um, I, you know, I was rooting for Kelly to hit one. I really wanted him to. At well, the yeah, end of the so game, you when could he was say, just I up, said he made one. And yeah, I wanted to. He made it. But besides <laughs> that, when we were clearly going to win, I wanted him to score a little bit. I feel bad for him, kind of. I know a lot of people don't, but I do. I'd feel bad for him if he wouldn't have talked smack about the organization. Like, if he hadn't have done that, I, I'd, I'd be feeling for him a little more, but he had to throw some mud. That's true. So, Yeah, well, and right I guess back. he had a pretty good game, I believe, the game before this one. Right, right. So I was a little bit nervous, like, oh, he's, he's going to have a head full of steam. He's going to be feeling it and keep going with this momentum and he's going to make us pay, but no, it was, I mean, let's see his, his line was not impressive. I got it right here. One for 11, four rebounds, one turnover, minus 17, two fouls. Oh, for five from three. (laughs) Yeah, it was rough. It's, it's everything that I wanted to see. So I'm happy with that outcome. 
And otherwise, yeah. you know, just a, a great all-around game from us. We had seven guys finish in double digits. Mikhail led the way with 20, Crowder with 16, Johnson with 13, Aiton with 12, Paul with 13, Kaminsky with 12, Nader with 16. Big game from Nader, but it doesn't matter. We're going to talk about Frank Kaminsky. 12 points, 13 rebounds, 8 assists, 0 turnovers, 8 to 0 turnover ratio this game. Give me a break. <laughs> and a steal. And a steal. Yeah. It was great. And in, in his post-game interview, they were asking him about, you know, you almost had a triple-double. And he's so funny. He says, well, you know, if my teammates would have hit their shots, I probably would have had a triple-double. <laughs> Mikhail had a couple wide open. I'm like, that's so funny. I love Frank so much. <laughs> oh, that's that's so good. Imagine if a superstar would say that. Everybody would take that so poorly. But when Frank Kaminsky comes out and starts calling out Mikhail Bridges for missing threes, oh, that's good. Yeah. So that's so good. It was but hilarious. that connection, though, Frank found Mikhail on a few back cuts where Frank just nice little lob over the defense right into Mikhail's hands, easy layup. We saw that two or three times in this game. Just a thing of beauty. So that that was really fun to watch yes it was nice yeah it's i love when frank gets these good games they need to happen more often they, they, they need to become a little more consistent i i wish they would but and who knows what's going to happen once dario gets back into full swing and you know we're still bringing along jalen smith so i i love frank but i really hope he's enjoying this while he can yeah, well, and I'm sure he is. I'm sure Frank is happy to be making a couple million dollars to have fun with his friends, you know. Oh, yeah. And I mean, he has to have no expectations after the, right. this offseason, you know, going to Sacramento, getting cut back to the Suns. I, I mean, I'm sure he's he's ecstatic to be here. But oh, yeah. Well, he's such a smart guy and such a reasonable, like easygoing guy. You know, he's just enjoying every second of this. Frank the Tank, what a guy. Yeah. All right. I'm okay. sure Jalen Smith is learning a lot from him. <laughs> yeah, just absorb <laughs> everything you can except the bad <laughs> Not the bad stuff. Yeah. Not not quite that goofy stuff. But anyways, last game of the week. We just watched this a couple nights ago now. The first game of Suns versus Mavericks. This episode will come out the morning of the rematch yeah. of the Mavericks. So. Yep. All right. So in this last one. Just, it's a beautiful thing. Every time the Suns beat the Mavericks, DeAndre Ayton and Luka, the, the whole thing that just doesn't stop. We beat the Mavericks. DeAndre Ayton beats the Mavericks and Luka Doncic. And yeah. it's a, what's their head-to-head record? Is it 8-1 to one Something in like Suns' that. favor? Yeah, it's not close. I think they beat us one game. Where Aiton didn't play, so we don't count that one. I think it's eight right. to one. Right, and, and we beat them twice in the bubble. Yeah, yeah. It's. It, it, I like playing the Mavs. It, back in the day, maybe ten, fifteen years ago, I used to hate playing the Mavs because they'd have our number all the time, and Dirk would Dirk. just torch us. And you know, it, I remember just. There's a little bit of a rivalry between the two, but it's nothing like the Spurs or the Lakers or anything. And I just remember back then just hating the Mavs so much. And now it's like flipped. We just have their number. We always beat them. Even when we've been bad in the past, we still beat the Mavs for whatever reason. So it's really nice to have someone's number. Yeah. And as a Suns fan who, you know, the draft hasn't treated us well. Uh, we've been pretty poor for such a long time. Uh, I don't know. It just makes it feel. I, I can't even really explain it, what it is, because it, it's got to be like these guys know that all the talk in the sports world is about how the Suns blew it, drafted Aiton over Doncic. Right. And I wonder if some of this, you know, how many different iterations of this team is matched up against uh, Luca? I mean, we've yeah. blown this roster apart so many times since then. Right, right. 
Twice. But anyways, <laughs> it, it just seems like there's something in the back of everybody's minds in the organization. It's probably at the, you know, the organization level, the owners, the front office. They, they're sick of it. They, can't, they don't want to lose to the Mavs anymore. They've had enough of Mark Cuban in his big mouth, who you could hear scream all night through the Mavericks broadcast, by the way. This is a quote from Mark Cuban. Sorry, I'm getting carried away. It's this okay, is a podcast. Cool. We got time. I, I'm doing it. So I'm watching the Mavericks broadcast last night. Mark Cuban sits like courtside at, at like center court opposite of the bench. So he must be right under the camera because he literally everything he says gets picked up right before halftime. We've shot 10 more free throws than the Mavericks and Mark Cuban's yelling at the refs. They've shot 10 more free throws than us. It's just halftime. You're going to be hearing from me at halftime. Like he was yelling at the refs like that. That's, that's not cool, man. I, I don't like hearing that. And, it's just disappointing. And the Mavericks also did some goofy stuff last night where they muted their crowd noise while we were shooting free throws. Hmm. Did you pick that up? I didn't realize that. They completely muted the crowd noise trying to get into our heads. Hmm. After the third quarter, Carlisle, their coach, went up to some table and he said, turn the, turn the volume back on. And then in the fourth quarter, there was sound during our free throws. Like they were trying to, they were trying to ice us out by putting it completely silent in the arena rather than the normal. Wow. There's, there's just like I don't like the Mavericks. I'll just say it. There's well, just that, so many things. Yeah. There. I oh. love that they tried to do that. I think that's great because we shot 27 for 31 from the line. Yeah. It, like, whatever you were trying wasn't working, boys. Yeah, I love that. That's great. Yeah. Okay. Wow. I just I wow. just went on a no. That's long I mean jaunt there, but I I hear you. I I think a lot of people feel the same way, and I know one thing that's usually frustrating for me when we play the Mavs is Luca usually just gets to the free throw line like twenty times or whatever. I know that's an exaggeration, but he he draws fouls so easily, and he plays this like physical style that I I kind of like. If he was on the Suns, I would love this. But since he's not, I hate it. Where he just lowers his shoulder and just like rams into guys. And you could probably call an offensive foul every time. Or you could probably call it either way every time, really. But it's so frustrating and he gets to the line so many times. But the refs weren't having it in this game. They, they even called a technical on Luke at one point because he did it and they didn't call anything. Or No, they called a foul on him. And he was complaining so much that they called a technical, which was great. And the Mavs only shot 14 free throws, and we shot 31. Like, I can't believe I'm saying that it was that way. Usually it's the opposite. Yeah. Luca with four free throw attempts and only made half of them. That's yeah, fantastic. That nice. And I think, I think this all gets into his head a little bit. And, yeah, he scored 29 points, eight rebounds, seven assists last night. But you can see him. When he's trying to get into the lane, he stops, he puts up the pump fake, he's trying to get a guy to jump. That's half of his game is trying to get a guy to jump. But we were doing such a good job staying down on that. And you could see him start to lean into the the BS, lean in, draw a bad foul penalty. Mm -hmm. You could see him start doing that. And our guys would back off, put their hands straight up and say, I'm not falling for that. Right. And that it, it just uh it pauses everything there because he can't come up with a shot from that he's got to completely stop put his head back up and find somewhere to pass and i i caught that happen three or four times last night yeah. and i think that if you just stay down on him this, he he doesn't want to shoot a long two just stay down right stay down right. make him uh put a shot up over you or pass that's yeah it takes easy patience. as that <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's simple. No, it it's tough. It takes a lot of patience. And I, I think it's great that our guys were able to do that. I also noticed, so he had 29 points, but a lot of his scoring did not come in crunch time. I believe that at one point he was 10 for 14 from the floor and he finished the game 12 for 22. So he missed a lot of shots late in the game down the stretch when it really mattered. 
I mean, it all really matters. The whole game is important. But in crunch time, Luka missed a lot. So I, I am very happy with how our defense played, especially in crunch time. Yeah, I think the Mavs are just all in all in a pretty interesting position because a lot of these shots that we saw Luka take towards the end of the game when they needed buckets are shots that I'd normally call a bad shot. But it's Luka Doncic on this offense with Dorian Finney-Smith and Willie Cully-Stein. So someone needs to take him. It should be Luka. Luka needs to get his shots. But we're playing solid defense on him. We're making him work for literally everything except for, a you know, a, I think he had four points at the very end of the game where we pretty much just let him walk in while we were trying right. to end the game. Right. But, I mean, the... The way that we made him get his shots, it, it was a, it was really a thing of beauty. And yeah, it's weird saying this about a, how old is he? Twenty, twenty-one, scoring right. twenty-nine points. But we did our job on him, and they don't have anyone else on the roster that can help carry him to wins right now, especially without KP. Yeah, no, it's he was not very supported in this game. Tim Hardaway Jr. played a decent game, but. Other than that, he didn't have a ton of help, and it worked fine. It did. So KP missed this game due to being part of a back-to-back. It sounds like he'll be back for the next one against the Mavs. So let's talk about next week's game a little bit here. And it sounds like Devin Booker and Dario could be back for this game today as this episode comes out. Yeah, yeah. I think if Booker's back... We should be good. I'm not too worried. We talked earlier in this episode just about, you know, who guards Porzingis, how does that change things, and I think we'll be okay, especially, you know, maybe we get lucky and Porzingis is a little rusty. I know, you know, it's part of back-to-back, so he sits one game, but uh, I I think we'll be okay. I'm not too concerned, especially if we have um, Booker back. Dario Dario will be a nice piece to have back. I don't know how much of, di- of a difference he makes in this game, but it it doesn't hurt to have him. Right, and you know, with Kaminsky playing pretty solid over the last few games, it's not going to be a killer if we got to rock Frank out there. Well, because who knows what kind of shape Dario is going to be in. After right. this, because, you know, if, if he did have COVID, that, that shoots your system pretty good. And, you know, yeah. two weeks off, who knows what kind of game shape you're in at that point. So, And I, I think that's really why he's still out. There was a brief mention of this on the Suns broadcast last night that he's just getting back into game shape. So I would expect him to be ready any day now. We can hope. And the next one after that is Wednesday night at 7.30 against the Pelicans. And the Pelicans are on a 3-7 and seven streak over their last 10 games. We're not much better at 4-6, and six, but Pelicans are sitting near the end of the Western Conference right now. So a, a team with what seems to be a lot of talent just having some struggles right now. Yeah, and J.J. Redick could potentially be traded by this point. It's looking like some... Some suitors are emerging, whether it be Boston or Brooklyn or or Philadelphia. So if I had to guess, I'd say J.J. Redick will still be there for this game, but you never know. Uh, I'm pretty confident about this, but this is also our our bet question game. So it's, I suppose, somewhat safe to assume Booker will be back, but we don't know for sure. But in Booker's absence, Chris Paul has been really lighting up the stat sheet, especially scoring. Uh, over the past few games, he's averaged 23.8 points per game, but his season average is 15.6 points per game. So the bet question is, how many points will Chris Paul score in the game against the Pelicans? How about you take the honors on this? One? Okay. So... We know that Chris Paul has a history with New Orleans. When he started his career, he played for the Hornets, who were then the New New Orleans Hornets before they went back to Charlotte. So it's a place I imagine he has some fond memories of that he likes playing in, I would guess. I think he's going to play well, and I think he's going to score 20 points. 20. All right, I think 
we're going to see everything fall a little bit closer back to that 15 and a half average now that Booker's back, assumedly. I'm going to go 18 for Chris in this one. 18. Okay, so tweet at us at Sunny and PHX Pod, whether that's just sending a tweet, DMing us, whatever you want to do, with your guess for how many points Chris Paul will score, and whoever's closest will get a shout out on next week's episode. All right, and then two more games next week, and one of them is on Super Bowl Sunday, so we're still trying to figure out what we're going to do for the show for this one. So let's talk a little bit about the Pistons game. That's Friday night at seven. And if we all remember the last time we matched up with the Pistons, it it didn't, it it didn't end very well. No, Uh, I think this one will be different. When we played the Pistons last time, it was an off game, just things not firing. The shot wasn't going down. I think we'll be okay here. It also, begins a seven game homestand that's against all Eastern conference teams. So we're not going to travel for about two weeks. And I think we're going to be excited about that. It's going to be nice for these guys to be in their homes and their own beds with their families and all of that for two straight weeks. So I think we're going to be excited to get started with that. And I think we're going to come out and just handle the Pistons easily. Yeah. The, I hope that we're a team that remembers that Detroit game, remembers getting spanked by one of the worst teams in the East, and they come back. When we get them again at home, I hope we absolutely ruin these guys. And Jeremy Grant having a great season. He got out of the got out of Denver playing behind the stardom of Jokic and Murray. He's getting a chance to shine on the Pistons, and that's been pretty fun to watch. So, yeah, you know that they have a an interesting future in Detroit, but man, I just really hope we, we give them a spanking in this one. Yeah. And I just think that there'll be a little bit less pressure. Maybe there's a little bit pressure to win after we lost to them once, but all these games against Eastern conference teams, do we want to win? Yes, of course. Any win is going to help playoff position, but since they're not against Western conference teams against the teams that we're competing to make the playoffs against, there's just that much less pressure. Now, that might be a bad thing. Maybe we need the pressure to really force ourselves to play well, but I view of it I view it more of like a fun thing. Like can go out a little bit more carefree, a little bit more loose and relaxed and just play the game. I hear that. All right. Then Super Bowl Sunday, we got the Celtics at noon. Um I don't know. This this is the one I hope that we are at full strength for. I hope that Dario's good. I hope that campaign's good. I hope everybody's just back 100% ready to play because the Celtics are a fun, deep team. I mean, they're yeah. Tatum and Brown are just a lot of fun to watch. Kemba, I mean, they're they're a good they're a good squad. They're a great team. Yeah, I I really like yeah I really like Jalen Brown. Yeah, same. He, I mean, read about him off the court. He is an interesting guy. Very, very smart. I really like everything that he does. So this could be tough. They're a good team, especially if, you know, talk about the Pelicans might not have J.J. Redick. Well, the Celtics might have J.J. Redick. We don't know for sure. But if, if a trade like that goes through, that would be even scarier. Hard to say. But even without, the Celtics are a very, very good team. Potentially a, you know, Eastern Conference champion this year. They're right. looking really good. And this game is, it's a great measuring stick for this Sun squad. We started off real hot. We had the week off. We kind of fell apart. Seems like we're getting things back together right now. So if we're at full strength for this one, it's going to be really nice to match up against a team who is consistently good over the last how many years? They're consistently good. Right. How do we match up against them? Because... I'm not trying to talk smack about the the Mavericks or the Warriors or the Pelicans, but they're not Celtics level. I, I want to see how we're how we are against them. And like we haven't played the Lakers yet. I want to see what what that's like. Yeah, that's gonna be interesting. Well, and you know what else is interesting? Just a scheduling note is we have the month of February scheduled, and the vast majority of those games are at home. Then we have one game in March scheduled, which is actually against the Lakers. 
And then we don't have the second half of the schedule yet. So I don't know what that's going to look like. Man, we're flying through the season. If, yes, we are. If we're already almost to the halfway point, that seems pretty crazy. Just a month away from that is what it right. is. Right. Wow. Yeah. Wow. All right. And with that, we will move to our non-sports section of the show. And this week, apologies for those of you who will really look forward to not hearing about sports. We have to talk about sports in this section because it's our annual tradition where we make our Super Bowl prediction. This is the last episode we'll have before the Super Bowl. So we're going to need to make a little prediction here. And if you recall last year, Charlie was very close. He predicted the right winner and he was very close to the actual score. So we don't really have anything riding on this or anything, but it's just fun to do. So who do you think is going to win the big game? Well, I'm leaning Chiefs. And is that because of my hatred for Tom Brady over all of these years? Yeah. Yeah. A lot of it has to do with that. (laughs) But the Chiefs are a really special team, and Patrick Mahomes is really fun to watch and I'm a Dolphins fan I've watched Tom Brady play a ton of games over the years and yes greatest of all time I can say that I can admit that but Mahomes is so much more fun and electrifying to watch play so that's been a like every time I get a chance to watch him I'll, I'll tune into a Chiefs game so I, I'm just leaning towards that Chiefs squad. I mean, they're so powerful on offense, and uh, I just don't. I just don't want Tom Brady to win. We're not here for like football uh, analytics or anything. I just don't want Tom Brady to win. Final score: Chiefs 36. Bucks gonna put up a fight. Put up 28. Okay. So I am in a similar position to you, but it's more. There's a little bit more conflict. Since I'm a Broncos fan, I really don't like the Chiefs. I can admit they're great. Patrick Mahomes is special, and that's frustrating, but (laughs) special nonetheless. Tom Brady, I can't stand him either. It's been years that he's frustrated the whole NFL, basically. He's 43 years old, and he's still playing very well. So... It's tough to really choose who to root for in this game. I suppose I'm I'm rooting for the Buccaneers slightly, especially because I like their defense. Shaq Barrett, who used to play for the Broncos, just a great linebacker. Really, really good. Uh, I, I've always kind of liked him. He seems like a good guy. So rooting for the Bucs defense, I will say that much. But yeah, pretty... I I hope it's a good game. I hope it's a close game. My prediction, I think the Chiefs will win. I do know that Super Bowls tend to be a little bit lower scoring typically, though. So I'm going to say Chiefs 30, Buccaneers 21. That's fair. I'm just rooting for a barn burner Super Bowl. I mean, I I guess 36 to 28. I want to see it 48 to 36 or something like that. That'd That'd be so much fun, but... It's pretty mm-hmm. rare when we get to see a Super Bowl like that. Yeah, I want a good game. I want a close game. And I know we're going to be doing fun stuff, eating good food, doing the Super Bowl stuff. Oh, yeah. So my wife and I will both be fully vaccinated by that point. So that's kind of nice. That will be nice. Yeah. Fully vaxxed. You can just, you can go... You can go be a wild man once again, Mitch. Well, no, that's not true. <laughs> <laughs> Just feeling a little bit more relieved. I'm already fully vaccinated, but she'll be fully vaccinated by that point, too. So that's a relief. But, yeah, I mean, the Super Bowl is fun. Even if it's two teams that you don't really like, it's still fun to watch every year. Maybe my team will get to the Super Bowl in my lifetime or an NBA championship. That'd be That'd be something. NBA championship. That would be nice. What's that even like? Is it I don't the, know. Well, football, you know, right? I do. Yeah. Okay. You're right. You're right. Yeah. Give me a, give me a taste. I, I literally don't even know. Well, it, does it feel, was... is it more than just like, I mean, I've had teams fighting to get into the playoffs when everything leans on one game. 
can you multiply that by a certain amount to say oh. what a Super Bowl is like? Yeah, I mean, so the when the Broncos won Super Bowl 50, it was really satisfying because, what was it, two years before? Yeah, two years before they were blown out in the Super Bowl. They had one of the greatest offenses of all time, and they got blown out by the Seahawks. And I lived in Washington, so you can imagine how that was. <laughs> but, yeah, it was rough. So, you know, going into that, Super Bowl 50 season, I would say my expectations were a little bit lower and I was nervous. I didn't really want to talk about it very much. I was just like, let's just see what happens. And I remember the AFC championship game was against Tom Brady and the Patriots. And it came down to a two point conversion. The Pats had a chance to tie the game if they would have converted. They would have tied it 20 to 20, and it probably would have gone to overtime. And who knows where it would have gone from there. But, I mean, that no-fly zone, Broncos secondary with Tlaib and TJ Ward and Darian Stewart and Chris Harris, those guys were so good. And I, I remember, I forget who it was, one of them picked off Brady's pass so that they didn't score the two-point conversion. And that's how we got to the Super Bowl. So that was huge. And then going into the game, I mean, I couldn't think of anything else the entire day. And you know what the Super Bowl is like. Like, it's a whole week, two weeks basically leading up to it where you don't hear anything else. Right. So then the game actually happened and it's just like, I was excited. I was so thrilled the whole time. And I was like almost euphoric for the days and weeks after. Oh, I want that in my life. Yeah. So bad. Just one time in, in my lifetime. Right. It's that's awesome. That's all I'm asking. It's all, and it makes it all worth it, too, because ever since then, the Broncos have been, like, either mediocre or bad. And, like, when I'm watching them get blown out, it, like, this past year, they lost to the Bills, like, 41 to 13 or something. I'm like, well, ah, they won a Super Bowl five years ago. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the, the Shaq rings argument. Right. You always got that to hold on to. And yeah, I wish I wish I had that in the back pocket, but you know, maybe the dolphins or the suns. One day. One, one day. day. During my life, please. One time. Yeah. All right. We thank you guys for tuning in. Uh check us out on social media at Sunny and PHX Pod. Let us know how many points Chris Paul will score against the Pelicans or, you know, do the give us your Super Bowl predictions at Sunny and PHX Pod on Twitter. And we thank you guys for tuning in. We'll see you again next week. Go Suns.